The views and opinions expressed on my story, Living with Lupus Podcast, represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved. Thank you for joining me for another episode of My Story Living with Lupus. I'm your host, Susan Hendricks, and I'm so glad that you could join me on this Tuesday, November the 26th, 2019. Today's topic is all about the latest in healthcare news, a self-dealing surgeon charge, probation in a VA patient's death, also, we'll be discussing cardiac neonatal lupus and postnatal dysfunction. And stay tuned because I have another giveaway. That's right. So stay tuned so you can learn about how you can win this item. So, you know what I want you to do. Grab your cup of coffee, because I have mine. Grab your cup of tea. And to those who's listening late at night, you know I appreciate you. So grab your favorite wine, and come on and join the conversation right here on My Story, Living with Lupin. aquaponics, planting seeds to grow food, and creating opportunities for people and families. You can contact this nonprofit organization at www.abundantharvestaquaponics.org. If you would like to appear on an episode of My Story Living with Lupus, you can contact us at mystorylivingwithlupus at gmail.com. Also visit us on our Instagram page and also our website, My Story Living with Lupus. Now the latest in healthcare news self-dealing surgeon charge, probation in VA patient's death, overly friendly neurologist. First case is 
This week roundup features arrests, criminal proceedings, and other reports alleging improper or questionable conduct by healthcare professionals. In Sioux Falls, South Dakota, federal prosecutors filed civil charges against a neurosurgeon. Wilson Esfora, M.D., accusing him of performing unnecessary spinal surgeries using devices in which he held a financial interest. This is nothing but a kickback. The surgeon owned two medical device companies, see, that according to a Justice Department press release, engaged in multiple kickback schemes designed to pay Asphora hundreds of thousands of dollars in exchange for Asphora using spinal devices carried by the companies. The department's involvement follows a whistleblower suit under the False Claim Act. Those whistleblowers are cutting up in 2019, aren't they? The next case is a heavily publicized case of a vegetative Arizona woman raped and made pregnant in a nursing home. That's right. You heard me correctly. Has now cost a physician his license. Though he was not involved in the crime, Philip Gear, M.D., had participated in the woman's care nearly her whole life. But investigators reviewing her records allegedly found lapses in that care, including failing to examine her monthly as required, but I bet you he was billing like he was examining her and never conducting mental health assessments. Moreover, according to the AP, the profound gear was physically unable to do exams without the help of another doctor or nurse practitioner. He also failed to supervise four students training with him. The students reported that Gear never entered patients' rooms with them. At age 67, Gear said he would give up his license and retire rather than fight the allegations. I bet he would give up his license because, hey, 67? He's, he's due for retirement anyway, and plus, he doesn't want to see Bubba in jail. Now, a VA nursing assistant in Massachusetts said to have been playing video games while a patient she was supposed to be monitoring lay dying, was sentenced to one-year probation. She had pleaded guilty to two counts of lying to investigators, initially claiming to have conducted hourly checks, although video surveillance showed she had not. FBI agents arrested 
an Ohio physician on charges that he overprescribed opioids and other drugs and falsified patients' diagnosis and records. A federal complaint charged that he also conducted urine screens on patients, billing the government for them, and ignored the results when they indicated the patients weren't taking the drugs he prescribed and therefore presumably had diverted them. We'll hear more next about a Chicago neurologist when we return. He is the author of Positive Energy 24-7 and his latest book, It Was Destined, Urban Legend. He's Detroit's own author, Henry Long. To purchase an autographed copy of his book and to purchase his e-book, go to WritePath247. Dot com. That's W-R-I-T-E-P-A-T-H 247.com. You can also follow him on Instagram at WritePath247. Motivational speaker, entrepreneur, and creator of Right Side of 50, Life Lessons with Sheila Smith. To book her for your next empowerment conference, contact her at rightside50 at gmail.com or call 404 447 Six eight nine seven. Now this next story is an interesting story, and I want you to call in and give me your thoughts on this story. Um, in suburban Chicago, a neurologist is standing trial on charges of inappropriately touching and kissing a patient. On the trial's first day, the patient testified that the physician pulled down her pants and put his hands on her behind and then drew her in for a hug and a kiss on the cheek when the appointment was over. Now, members of the doctor's staff, however, told the court that the woman did not seem upset afterward, nor did she say that anything was amiss. Now, I know everyone is not the same, but if a doctor, and this is a neurologist, Now, you think about what a neurologist does. Pulls down your pants 
and touches your behind, what is the first thing you're going to do? You're going to haul off and try to knock the hell out of him. You will scream. You will holler. You will get on your phone and call 911. Now, I know, like I said, everyone is not the same. But I'm just not going to walk out of that doctor's office like, oh, everything went well. Not unless. Now, I may get in a little trouble for what I'm about to say. That you and the doctor were already in a relationship. And that he did not do what you wanted him to do. So you get back at him this way. Stating that he did something inappropriate to you. Now I can't see a woman standing there. And just going to let a doctor do that to her? You're going to try, like I said, you're going to try your best to knock the hell out of him. Scream, holler, and say, I'm not leaving until you call the police. I don't know about this one. You know, I'm not saying that it did not happen, but it sounds like it's more to the story than what it is. Uh, and I know you guys are probably giving me some backlash for it, but call in and and tell me your thoughts on this. Next, we'll be talking about stealing dead mom's benefits when we return. So stay with me. Former Maryland internist. Crystal McGinty, M.D., was sentenced to two years in prison for government theft after she cashed her deceased mother's Social Security and retirement checks for 13 years. McGinty amassed more than $500,000 during this stretch going so far as to impersonate her mother when the retirement benefits stopped flowing and used the money to travel, pay bills, and renew her medical license, among other things. More Maryland malfeasance. A Frederick pediatrician was found guilty of second-degree assault on a fourth degree sex offense for inappropriately touching an 18 year old woman who had been his patient since she was a week old. Now wait a minute. You know when my daughter was 18 I still went into the doctor's office um, in the room with her to make sure no funny business was going on. But now a days, um, you're eighteen and your mother probably trusted this pediatrician. And you went on by yourself, I don't know. Mm -mm. 
a former Minnesota chiropractor who lost that license over a sexual relationship with a patient was charged with illegally operating a skin clinic and performing procedures such as mole removal without a medical license. Totally not true, he told the Minneapolis Star Tribune. My only crime is that I have not updated my ancient website in a long time. Lord have mercy. An Illinois mother was awarded $50 million for medical malpractice that left her infant son severely brain damaged, according to the Associated Press. While the woman was in labor, staff at the Chicago area West Suburban Medical Center ignored her concerns that she could no longer feel the boy's movement and ultrasound showing he hadn't moved for six hours. During the trial, experts said a C-section would have prevented the brain damage. Following a statewide crackdown in New Jersey, a nurse and 24 doctors have now been arrested for inappropriate use, distribution, or prescribing opioids. More patients have come forward alleging sexual misconduct by former University of California, Los Angeles gynecologist James Heaps, MD, who appeared in court this week to plead not guilty to charges of sexual battery, fraud, and sexual exploitation. Dozens of women dating back to 1989 have alleged that the campus doctor assaulted them during breast and pelvic exams and other visits. The university system has already paid over two million to one former patient that said hips sexually assaulted her and over one million to a nurse practitioner who lodged a sexual harassment complaint about him. That's your latest in healthcare news when we return. We'll be talking about cardiac neonatal lupus. giveaway rules. That's right. It is a 49ers NFL jersey number seven. That's right. It's Colin Kaepernick number seven NFL jersey. Now I have compassion for activism. I have respect for those who stand for truth and justice. 
he was the first player that I've seen who took a stand and took a knee for what he believed in. He took a stand, in my opinion, for the mistreatment of African American by some police officers. He took a stand and he was unshaken and it cost him his job. So my hat is off to the brother for kneeling for what he believed in. If you would like to win this 49ers number seven Colin Kaepernick jersey, this is what you have to do. Follow both of my accounts. I am Lupus and my story living with Lupus. Like the giveaway picture. Tag a friend and also tag I am Lupus or my story living with Lupus. This giveaway runs until 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. I will choose a winner then. So go over if you want it. It would make a perfect Christmas gift. You can scratch somebody right off your Christmas list. It still has the tags on them. Also, if you're in the metropolitan Detroit area, if you are in need this Thanksgiving, turkey, Giveaway and food giveaway November 26th and from 8 to 12 p.m. Turkeys will be given away at the Northwest Activity Center in Detroit, Michigan. Also on November 27th from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. will be a food giveaway. Also at the Northwest Activity Center, located in Detroit. You know, there are many who don't understand what this man did. But Colin Kaepernick took a stand by kneeling, but he speaks through the money he donates to various charities. Yes, Colin Kaepernick has donated over $800,000 to empower oppressed communities. In addition, he has also gave money to groups like Meals on Wheels, Black Veterans for Social Justice, Center for Reproductive Rights, and Silence is Violence, among others. So, you may not agree with what he did, but he took a stand, and he did not fall for anything. Now we're talking about Cardiac neonatal 
lupus. You may say, well, what is it? Neonatal lupus is an autoimmune disease in which passive transfer of autoantibodies from the mother to the fetus results in fetal and neonatal disease. The major manifestations are cardiac and cutaneous findings. Neonatal lupus is a rare acquired autoimmune disorder that is present at birth. Affected infants often develop a characteristic red rash or skin eruption. The most significant potential complication is a heart condition known as congenial heart block. Yes, the congenial heart block does not resolve within the first several months of life and infants may ultimately require a pacemaker. Some infants develop only skin symptoms, some infants develop only heart symptoms, and less often some infants develop both. Less common findings include liver disease, an abnormality, large head circumference and or low numbers of circulating blood platelets that assist in blood clotting function. White blood cells that help fight infection and red blood cells that help deliver oxygen to the body. Neonatal lupus results from specific autoantibodies that travel across the placenta from a pregnant woman to her developing fetus. These autoantibodies damage specific fetal tissue through a process that is not fully understood. The signs and symptoms, the most common symptom associated with neonatal lupus is a rash that consists of reddish ring-like skin lesions and resembles the rash associated with systemic lupus erythematosus. The rash is temporary, usually developing during the first few weeks of life and clearing up at some point during the next several months. In rare cases, skin lesions may persist into childhood. The face and scalp are most commonly affected. The raccoon eye pattern is a big clue to this diagnosis when it is present. Less often, the rash can occur on the trunk, arms, and legs. Some affected infants may also exhibit an abnormal sensitivity to sunlight, which may initially trigger the development of the rash. 
although the most common timing for the rash is about six weeks after birth. Sometimes the rash may not develop until two to three months later. Of note, breastfeeding is not associated with an increased chance of rash. The most serious complication of neonatal lupus is a heart condition known as congenital heart block. The occurrence of congenital heart block in infants may be as common as the skin rash. It is not known. It is the most serious complication and when the block is complete, it is a permanent condition and can potentially be life-threatening. Congenial heart block is characterized by an interference with the transfer of the heartbeat from the top to the middle that controls the rate that the heart beats. The severity of such conduction abnormalities may vary among affected infants, meaning there can be first, second, or third-degree block, and latter, most serious. The normal heart has four chambers, the two upper chambers, known as atria, are separated from each other by a fibrous partition known as the atrial septum. The two lower chambers are known as ventricles, and are separated from each other by the ventricle septum. Valves connect the atria, left and right, to their respective ventricles. In the mild form of heart block, the two upper chambers of the heart beat normally, and there is a slight lag time to trigger the lower chambers but this has no clinical significance. In the more moderate forms, some beats get through, and the most severe form, there is no beat that gets through. This severe form is complete heart block in which the atria beat at a normal rate but the ventricles beat slowly. In some cases, heart block may lead to blackouts, breathlessness, and or irregular heartbeats. Some infants may also develop disease of the heart muscle, cardiomyopathy, which can occur in association with thickening within the muscular lining of the heart chambers due to an increase in the amount of supporting connective tissue. Elastic fibers, less often additional cardiac abnormalities have been reported, including inflammation of the myocardium, which is the middle layer of the heart wall a condition known as myocarditis, 
and severe cases, life-threatening complications such as heart failure or sudden cardiac arrest can potentially develop. There can also be abnormalities of the mitral and tricuspid valves. Infants with neonatal lupus may also have low numbers of special red blood cells that assist in blood clotting function. Low levels of other circulating red blood cells, low levels of certain white blood cells, and abnormally large spleen, an abnormally large liver, and a form of liver hepatic disease known as hepatitis. The affected population of neonatal lupus, well, it's a rare condition that has occurred slightly more in females than male infants, but is far less female gender dominant than systemic lupus erythematosus. Most symptoms of the disorder, except congenial heart block, are temporary, transient, usually resolving themselves within several months. The exact incidence is unknown, but congenial heart block is estimated to occur in 1 in 15,000 live births. In general, the heart block associated with maternal autoantibodies occurs in the absence of any structural abnormalities of the heart. Now, when it comes down to diagnosing this, the diagnosis depends, of course, on the manifestation. If during pregnancy, fetal heartbeat is found to be slow, then an echocardiogram is ordered. Echocardiography is an exam that uses reflected sound waves to create a picture of the heart and is required to assess the function of the heart and diagnose the heart block. The mother should be immediately tested for anti-RO and LA antibodies. The diagnosis of the skin rash is based upon a thorough clinical evaluation. It may not always be necessary to test the infant for the antibodies, as the mother's blood test tells the story. Now, the treatment of neonatal lupus is directed toward the specific symptoms that are apparent in each individual. Cutaneous symptoms generally resolve without treatment during the first several months of life. Infants diagnosed with neonatal lupus should receive a thorough evaluation 
to determine whether blood or liver complications are also present. Protection from sunlight using sunscreen and protective clothing is recommended for infants initially. Mild topical steroids may be used to treat skin symptoms, but in most cases, no treatment is needed, and this should be discussed with the pediatrician. The rash may be merely cosmetic and not require any treatment at all. Infants with the rash should have an EKG done. However, if there have been no signs of a heart problem during pregnancy or at birth, those with other manifestations of neonatal lupus do not require continuous cardiac evaluation. Information provided by MedPage today. You can go and read further into this. like to say this to you. You know, at this time of year, we are reminded of how much we have to be thankful for. My wish for you this Thanksgiving is that you find yourself surrounded by those you love. You know, we should certainly but we should also make our blessings count. Let every day be Thanksgiving. And I am so thankful that you who tune in each Friday to hear me, I am thankful for you. Enjoy your family. For another episode of my story, Living with Lupus. Love on your expressed on my story living with lupus podcast represents each person's individual experience by listening to this podcast or reading our blog you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved. Music